Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with my dad. My name is Spencer. And I am Barry. It's great to be with you again. Game two of the Jazz Grizzlies series is evened up now with the Jazz winning the game. And it makes it a one-to-one series. Any thoughts? Feels good. That's my first thought is that it felt good, actually. I mean, it's kind of funny that it's an eight team versus a one team and we're all excited about this. But that's because Memphis is playing at a level that I haven't really seen in a while from, I mean, obviously they're a young team. So it just is fun to see their energy. And I liked the way the Jazz handled that coming off of losing from them the first game. Yeah, listen, 141 points scored in a playoff game. And the other team scored 129. That's a ton of points. It will seem like defense wasn't played. I actually think, and like you said, Spencer, pretty exciting to see. I actually think that both teams just really played good offense, quite frankly. They had the high pick and roll going for Memphis. You had the three-point shooting going for the Utah Jazz. You had a lot of points being scored. And and, uh, looking at this, um, there's two high points in this game one the return of donovan mitchell calms the jazz down puts them in a position to win they punch back and beat the grizzlies but john morant goes for 47 points four rebounds and seven assists had an incredible game and there was a statistic on the tv tonight that in his first two playoff games he is only behind the great george mikan and passed Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer as he had 47 points tonight, coupled with his first game and all the points he scored there. Yeah, so more than a third of the team's points came from him, which is saying a lot, but it's also not surprising because he is that good when he gets the ball. And he could, it almost looks like he has a magnet on whenever he dribbles because the ball just zips past the defenders and it still stays in his hand. He did try, I mean, we might be getting a little too early for this, but he tried to put a dunk on Gobert, which is kind of funny because Gobert two-hand volleyball blocked him and it kind of uh, put him straight, but it didn't seem to phase him because then he just kept going right back, right back at him and right back at the rim. And like I said last podcast, he plays one of the best uh, almost floater games I've ever seen in which he gets to the free throw line, gets about a foot, maybe two feet from the free throw line is able to just confuse defenders and then take advantage of that and, and put it in. And probably one of the fastest players I've seen in a long time. I mean, there's definitely some fast players out there, but the quickness from getting the ball from his hoop and then getting it to the our end is actually kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah. Let's stay on Morant 47 points. You're right. The ball sticks with him. He's patient. He looks like a veteran out there, even though in his second year. Here's the stat that I see on John Morant. And we go back to last year in the bubble when Jamal Murray just lit it up against the Jazz as well for 50 points. But he had 47 points tonight. John Morant had 47 points tonight. Let's be clear. Only two three-pointers. Generally, when you see a guy in today's league go off for 47 points, They have a lot of three-pointers. He only made two. Now, here's the other amazing stat. He was 15 for 20 from the free throw line, 15 for 26 from the field. Just a great game by John Morant. And to see the Jazz outpace him, one of the things about the Jazz, and we can chat about this, all five starters in double figures, 25 for Mitchell in 26 minutes. Great game for him. Didn't overload his minutes. But two guys who I thought shined bright, Conley with 20 points, 15 assists. What an amazing night. Any other night when John Morant doesn't go off like that, Conley gets uh, the nod, 20 points, 15 assists. And then Rudy Gobert had 21 points and 13 rebounds. 
his impact was pretty noticeable too. I mean, we talk about how the momentum kind of shifts in the middle of the game, but Gobert is just a constant, steady presence that can't be ignored, and that goes a long way. Obviously, he had 21 points, the 13 rebounds is big, but I want to touch on Conley's 15 assists. That's hard to do uh, when you when you um, um, at this level of, of playoff mentality. But it, it, it's easy when you have Gobert as someone you could pass to. I don't know how many dunks Gobert had tonight, but it might have been one of the highest dunking games he's ever had because he was throwing it down just dunk after dunk. Obviously, obviously it's, it's hard to defend somebody with that kind of range or reach, but it was great. Um, some other key, note, uh, key highlights. I thought Royce played really well. His stats usually don't, don't really need to show his level of capability, but he scored 14 points, had some big threes, some great rebounds, which I like to see because it's always good to see when someone on the floor is hustling and he was hustling tonight, and that definitely kept us with momentum. Yeah, great shout-out to Royce. Uh, 14 points, eight rebounds. There's your hustle right there, and three assists. Uh, and really, really glad that he saw his three-point shooting come back. He was four for six from three-point line. Going back to Gobert and the dunks, you're probably right. He's nine for 11 from the field. And I got to think that six, seven of those nine made shots were dunks and uh, he played a great game. There is no question he is the defensive player of the year. Here's, here's the reality. He had four blocks tonight. What makes Rudy special is he can have four blocks and it feels like he had 10 blocks. Yeah. It, and, and that's disrupting anyone who gets in the paint, knocking him off their game. You got to give John Moran credit. He went at him, went at him, went at him, went at him, when he knew that, that Rudy was there. So a lot of respect, a lot of respect but there. What can you say about – maybe I'm switching over too quick, but what do you think about Brooks tonight? He only had 23 points, only two rebounds, and only one assist. Um, is that, That's a big difference from what he played. I'm not a huge difference, but he was scoring 31 points last game. Did the Jazz figure him out this game, or was he just not – back to that crazy night ability? Well, he, here's a thought and a great question. John Morant played 43 out of 48 minutes. <laughs> so, so he was on the floor a lot. Dylan Brooks played 28 minutes and I'm going to say only 28 minutes. I'd have to go back to the stats last game, how many minutes he played. And he was out of the game early. And the difference was when you have to guard an all-star and let's say he's a superstar in Donovan Mitchell, it, you have to do it on both ends. And last game, Brooks didn't need to do that. So his game was a little bit sharper on the offensive end and he wasn't guarding a superstar on the defensive end. So it made him look better. He still had 23 points tonight. You got to give it to, you got to give it to him. I, you know, if he's on my team, we love him. If he's not on my team, we hate him. And the reality is he just plays hard and hard and hard, and they keep coming. How many times as a Jazz fan tonight do you say, oh, we got this game. Holy crap, here they come again. Hey, we got this game. Oh, my gosh, here they come again. At least three waves came at us, and that is what makes the Grizzlies just a dangerous out in this first round. Right, and if you look at the stats for the Grizzlies over the past seven games, they've won all those games by six points or less. So they're really coming down to the wire. And with, when you're, when they have to guard three superstars in a, in one game, then that kind of blows open the game to even higher scoring. And so, yeah, they are a great team kind of, and I give them props for being in the playoffs. And obviously they're, they're, 
they have nothing to lose and they're showing that they're willing to put in the effort to, to hunt a team like the jazz, but it is pretty, pretty clear that they, they uh, only win games by a little bit. And so if they're not scoring at the level of the other teams, they're not going to really have a, a good chance of winning. And then they won going into this game. They had won three of their four last games on the road. So they're, they're definitely used to close games. They're used to kind of, I mean, with younger teams, they're kind of running a little bit more. So it was really impressive to see them keep their stamina and still be going on runs late in the game. And that, yeah. that might just be who they are as they usually only win by a couple points. Yeah, for all you Jazz fans out there, there is no shame. There is no shame in losing that first game and having a close game the second game because the Grizzlies are the real deal. With John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Valanciunas, they've got a team. And Jaron Jackson, they've got a team. So to get them, we now go on the road and you have to go steal one there and hopefully we can get a couple. Do you do the – is it still going to be a battle? Do you think for the – all right, will the – Jazz win the next two games or three games, I guess. Or will do you think that the Grizzlies will pick up another win or two? And how close do you think the series will be at now that we kind of have a feel for it after game two? Yeah, may, you know, looking at these guys coming after you and coming after you and coming after you, I would not be surprised if it goes seven games. I, I wow. just wouldn't. And that's a big statement. I know it's a one versus eight, but the Grizzlies have been in playoff mode, as we said last episode for a while and they are fine-tuned they're going to get a little bit of a rest they're going to be getting home the jazz went 19 for 39 tonight from the three-point line which was great shooting that's 49 percent can they duplicate that right and can they do that on the road or come close to that they shot 54 percent from the field it's going to be tough on the road i i like Mitchell said in the post-game interview, they have to go back and they have to figure out how to slow down John Morant. He's had two big games. If you can slow him down and play your game, then yes, the Jazz can go win a couple and this whole series changes. But until they can slow him down, this looks like a seven-game series to me. Yeah, everybody played well from the three-point line. Um, Clarkson had 16 points, six rebounds. That was big. Yank had a couple good shots. Favors had another pretty good game. Um, Clarkson did hit a three, so that always feels good. He didn't shoot super great, was 16% from behind the three. But the Jazz really seemed to be playing their basketball game. It, was, it got kind of scary a couple of times. And, and I don't know if that's just because of how good Memphis has been playing. But it didn't really seem like too much of a threat. There were some times where it got within two or within three when really it should, we should have been up by more. But overall, I thought it was a good, um, a good performance by the Jazz. Um, yeah, yeah you, you, you said something. Yeah, you said something there about um, about Clarkson. This is this is where the Jazz can get ahead and turn this series if Clarkson starts hitting his threes. That he exactly. if he hits two more tonight, the the game swings, momentum stops. He is struggling from the three point line, and this has been historical for JC in the playoffs. If you go back and you study his run with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, some of the things he might have done last year in the bubble. He struggles in the playoffs. Once he figures that out, which he will, we, he is a great player and he hits a three with more consistency, then the Jazz will go to even another level. So tough shooting night for him, 4-11 from the field, 1-6 from three, but he ends up with 16 points and that's our sixth man of the year. He's just an uncanny scorer. Right, and he hustled, but he realized he wasn't really doing too much. When he hit his three, he kind of put up the kind of, 
almost like a praise, like a prayer with his hands and kind of thank that it went in after he missed a three last game or missed, missed his three's last game. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Jazz can do. I'm not too worried. I think going away, now the Jazz are awake, they can do good on the road. And obviously with their best record in the league, it sh- they have proven that they can win outside of their home court. So it, it should be a good game. I guess another real question um, is why does the head coach Taylor Jenkins look just like Bojan Bogdanovic? I cannot unsee that whenever I look at him. I think it's so funny. Yeah, you think Boyans took off his jersey and is coaching the other team. I to- totally get it. And uh, when you sent me that note during the game, I, I laughed and spot on. What's interesting about Taylor Jenkins is you hear in, <clears throat> in the game and in the news, this is a guy who interned, I believe, they said interned with the Austin Toros <clears throat> of the San Antonio Spurs G League team when Quinn was coaching. So yeah. they all come from the Popovich coaching tree. Uh, but that's kind of fun to see and fun to know. And a little side note uh, for all those who are getting to know us here and after the game, uh, I served as team president of the Columbus, Georgia River Dragons. Spencer was a ball boy for the Columbus <laughs> River Dragons. Jeff Malone of the Utah Jazz was our head coach. And we had a lot of fun in the early part of this century down in Georgia. That team was sold and became the Austin Toros. And then Quinn Snyder goes on to coach the Austin Toros. So there's a little bit of a soft place in my heart for the Austin Toros. And that's where Quinn Snyder and Taylor Jenkins came from. I'm pretty sure your River Dragons won a a championship too, right? We won a regular season championship and then lost to the Asheville Altitude in the championship game. So we have a regular season trophy, um, just not a full league trophy. The, this is like trivia for everybody. If, if anybody could ever remember Columbus, Georgia, River Dragons and Asheville, North Carolina altitude playing in a championship D league game, um, just subscribe because you deserve to be listening to this podcast. All right. Well, we can jump around to other areas of the league right now, unless you have anything else. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's go back to last night and pick up a few games. Um, I'll start really quickly. Uh, all the world is correct, right? When the Nets just blow out somebody, which they did last night to the Celtics, beating them 130 to 108. That, that team is just incredible. It's going to be fun to see how many games they can win in a row. Will they run the table in the playoffs? They have some shaky wow. moments. And the Celtics are not great. I get it. Right now, they're not full at full strength without Jalen Brown. But, man, the Nets – the next week, it's almost like they don't need to play defense and just hand the ball to one of their top three guys and they'll just go get you a basket. Well, in order to beat the Nets, you have to score at least 130 points. I don't think there's any way around it. <laughs> so, I mean, they'll be going to Boston uh, tomorrow or on Friday. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, nobody, nobody in Boston really likes Kyrie. So, yeah, let, let, let's, let's say something here as you look at the stats of that game last night. Um, or a couple nights ago, <clears throat> Brooklyn, Boston. So Kevin Durant had 26, Irving had 15, James Harden had 20. Joe Harris had 25 <laughs> and led all scores for Brooklyn. We're not talking about Durant, Irving, or Harden. We're talking about Joe Harris. Now, here's one thing about Joe Harris. Those who watched USA basketball a couple of summers ago when Donovan Mitchell was playing, Joe Harris was on that team. And they did not have a good run in international competition. But it just goes to show how much respect the league has for Joe Harris. So we talk about the big three, but Joe Harris ends up being the leading scorer in last night's playoff game. That's a good point. I mean, it's, it's hard to fathom a team like the Nets, especially Blake Griffin threw down some pretty cool 
moves and I it's always fun to watch that but they've almost got everything I, I don't know what they're missing if anything and even if they are missing something it's overshadowed by how good they are in every other area so it'd be defense but who cares these guys can put up points let's move on uh why don't you tackle uh the Lakers Phoenix games where the Lakers kind of reset the world a little bit tie up that series get a game in Phoenix and they go back to LA 1-1 yeah this was something that was kind of I, I'm not surprised, but it's almost like a breath in a way. It's like, oh, are the Suns really that good? Or are the Lakers just not playing well? And is LeBron's kind of reign coming to an end? But the other night, it, it showed that LeBron is LeBron. Um, it, it, the Suns aren't un, unbeatable. Um, so it, it was good to see that. I mean, obviously, Anthony Davis came out and played a little bit better, and LeBron kind of handled it. There was a little scuffles on the on the court, and everybody's laughing about how LeBron wanted some attention and he went down after he got boxed out by Chris Paul with a hurt shoulder and then somehow made his way to the center of attention again by going yeah. over to where the cameras were and everybody's laughing at that. But I think at the end of the day, Le- LeBron, he might've woken up or he might've realized, Hey, listen, I don't want to just go out in round one and, and be labeled somebody that's, that's washed up or something. So he kind of made it his, his game again. Yeah, he definitely showed that leadership. I think the turnaround here for me from the Lakers is the poor showing that Anthony Davis had in game one of this series. And then he comes out and goes 34 points, 10 rebounds and seven assists and really says, you know what? I am good and I am dominant. He is an interesting player. He will be a Hall of Famer in my mind. He has all the skills to be possibly, you know, one of the best in the league right now. Definitely top five. But then there are games where he just doesn't do what he should do. And uh, when he does what he should do, they win a championship. So let's see if he can keep that going. For Phoenix, interesting. Booker goes out and has another great night, 31 points. Aiton plays well, 22 points, 10 rebounds. Chris Paul, another quiet night, six points, three rebounds, five assists in only 22 minutes of play. He's not right. And it's somewhat sad to see because he was completely healthy for 72 games. Willed that team to 50 to 50 wins, 51 wins. And then he gets hurt and his shoulder gets a little banged up. And Chris Paul is, is hurting right now. And that's going to be tough for Phoenix. We, you said it best last time. Monty Williams probably will get coach of the year, but that's really Chris Paul's award. And it's hard, as good as a coach as he can be, he's also got to play and and get his assists and his little 12-foot jumper. And it's just not there. And I wonder if that's going to be tough for Phoenix to overcome as the Lakers get back and running and healthy. Exactly. And and Shrouder also played well. And it always hurts for, um, for teams going at superstars when their role players have good nights because then it just makes it even harder to handle. But if you had to make a prediction, I know it's game two and the series is now one and one. Where do you see that ending up? Do you see Lakers kind of taking advantage of maybe Chris Paul's kind of banged up and LeBron kind of building momentum with Anthony Davis? Or do you see Chris Paul figuring it out and showing why they're the number two team? Listen, this is a team that won 51 games. They're number two in the West for a reason. Uh, they're not just going to roll over and, and have the Lakers run the table here. I see it as a close series. But I do see the Lakers getting – if Chris Paul is not 100%, it is very difficult for them to win a series. And so the, I, I, I see the Lakers getting this. If Anthony Davis has found a spark, uh, Drummond had 15 points, 12 rebounds. 
that's a very tough team to beat. Schroeder's playing well. I, I think they're going to get on a roll, and they're going. They stole a game. They're going home. Uh, I just think this is the Lakers series to get, and if Chris Paul's not healthy, it's just going to be tough. So I believe it's the first time LA will see playoff LeBron live, right? Uh, you're right because the season the first before season with them, they didn't make the playoffs, and then they were in the bubble, and now they're in LA. Talking about fans tonight at the Garden, it was on fire. That's one. And then you go to the next game after that on TNT and you see the Jazz and and the Grizzlies and that place is rocking. I, I wish I don't know the capacity in L.A. I don't think it's the same. Maybe it is. We'll see what it's like. But I think for the Clippers and and. And Mavs series, it hasn't been that packed. I wish LA had opened up and, and just have fans. But let's let's go over the Mavs Clippers yep. real quick. Then now that you're talking about it, I think Luka Doncic is one of the greatest players in the league right now, and he is making that almost clear with his run in the playoffs. He has made shots that I don't even think were even possible, and 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 I don't I don't know what you have to say about that. But he scored thir- uh, 39 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, so he's a pretty rounded player. Um, he obviously had some help with Hardaway, with Hardaway mm-hmm. at 28 points. But it's when when you can see an all-star have two or even three defenders on him and still have that confidence to make a shot or even pull up for a shot that doesn't seem probable is just a sign of a confident, a young, just amazing player. Yeah, the dude's been playing for like 10 years, even though however old he is, he's True. been playing in the pros at a very young age, he's got a body that works in the NBA. He can still handle the ball. He can distribute the ball, but he has the strength to shoot a step back three. He has the strength to shoot under the hoop and get into big guys. He has a pull-up jumper. He's got all the tools to become one of the greats. Here's one thing about the Mavs, just really quick. Porzingis is looking healthy and spry, and that helps them. Their defense is tough. Hardaway, when he scores 28 points, that's crazy. That team will be hard to beat. But Luka Doncic, you know, here's the reality. The Mavs are going to have two of the greatest European players to ever walk on the court. And uh, and, You see that picture of um, Dirk Nowinski and and he's in the stands and he's looking at Doncic and they're both other hands up? uh, I didn't see that picture, but I can only imagine what it looks like. I'm telling you, I don't know how Mark Cuban does it, but he gets some really good guys from Europe. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I think the Mavs now, you're up two on the Clippers. You're going home. You've got some momentum. This is going to be a series. If, if the Clippers come back, great. If they don't, this will be one of those things you start talking about and chirping about. What do the Clippers do? Tyron Lue was supposed to come in, clean this up a little bit from Doc Rivers, and turn it around, but Steve Ballmer is sitting on the baseline, pulling his hair out, which he has no more. So this it's a this is a head scratcher for the Clippers and the Clippers fans. Can you blame that? Like, but what's going on? Because Leonard scored forty-one points, Paul George scored twenty-eight. What is that? Are they just not involving their other players, or I I don't know. I mean. It looks you know, like Leonard, I mean, maybe you can argue or not whether he has the drive to win another championship, but he's putting up 41 points. Well, they went out and made a move, and I, I, I don't know all the specifics of, of what, what this cost them, that they went out and got Rondo, who had, who had played well with the Lakers to get a championship last year, and Rondo is, is 
just a shell of what he was last year in the playoffs. Actually, that's a strong statement, but he's not doing what they went out to get him to do. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Macklemore's maybe, not playing too well either, or he didn't last night or the other night. Listen, if they go back and they punch uh, the Mavs in the mouth and steal a game in that first game back in, in Dallas, then it becomes a series again. Because you have you have two Hall of Famers in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So what, what a great what, what a great thing. But I, the Mavs are in control. The Mavs are in control. So you're going to – can we call an upset already two games after, after two games? Absolutely. Let's call it. I, I'm calling it. I think the Mavs are going to pull this series out, and, and uh, that's who – uh, either the Grizz or the Jazz are going to face in the next round. I like that. All right. So then uh, tonight's game, we'll clean it up with uh, these last two. We talked um, clearly about Jazz. Grizz, um, let's go quickly because it doesn't need a lot of time on the 76ers Wizards game where the 76ers blow them out 120 to 95. And it really wasn't even that close. That was a no. 25 point win, but they were up by 30 for most of the game. I mean, Westbrook didn't really play as great as I kind of hoped he would. I mean, he still had 11 assists, which is impressive, but he's, I'm used to him averaging a triple-double. He kind of went off injured, I believe, and that's where things got a little little sketchy. I know everybody's probably already talking about it, but some fan threw popcorn at him, and we talk about how crazy fans can be. What What's your take on when fans do this, or what what should the league do? LeBron tweeted out, somebody should find that fan and report him, and so it sounds like LeBron's already on the policing what uh what's your opinion on players and fan interaction yeah a couple of things are happening here first of all fans are back in the arena after a long long hiatus so you're gonna you're gonna be just you know waiting and and letting it all out that's number one number two you're in philadelphia <laughs> uh, the philadelphia fans no matter the sport have always been a rough crowd <laughs> and their their 76ers are are in first place and the best in the East. This is a city that in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles fans on Christmas day in the NFL years ago, booed Santa Claus. These are savvy, hardcore fans. And, uh, and so something like that doesn't surprise me. Is it right? Absolutely not. The, the fans should be disciplined. There should be action taken. And they then should lay down the law that if it happens again, then, then there should be some fine against the team where it hurts the team. That's a little harsh, but this is Philly first round. Their team's number one. Um, some action should be taken, but right. you can see how this could happen. So let's jump over to the fans over at the garden. I love Madison square garden. If you get a chance to ever see any sporting event, I would recommend it at the garden. It's obviously brings some sort of crazy energy that's just alive in New York city. But boy, were the fans, they were mad. Or not mad, but they do not like Trey Young. And <laughs> they came out tonight. They got the win. Derrick Rose had a phenomenal night. I love watching Derrick Rose play. I love watching um, him. He scored more points than Randall, but Randall still played really well. And the Jazz, or not the Jazz, the Knicks ultimately got the job done after losing the first game. And the fans were up against Trey Young. Yeah, listen, Trey Young came in. First playoff game in New York for seven years, and he steals the game from him. So they're they're a little bothered by that and hot. But man, the garden was packed and rocking. And I absolutely second what you're saying and put an exclamation point on it. There's listen, I've been to jazz games at Vivint Delta. The amazing. Even back in the 90s when the team was making a run into the finals, I attended those games. 
uh, out of control and the noise level was off the charts. But the garden has a collaborative feeling where you can turn to anybody on any row, anywhere, five feet in front of you, five feet to the side of you and hug them, even in a pandemic, because you're just crazed with how the Knicks play. And it's just a brotherly love, even though that would be Philly, but it's just a loving atmosphere in New York when your team is winning. There's history in those walls for sure. And you could feel it. You can feel it bouncing off the walls. And I thought it was a great game. It, Trey Young is definitely trying to make a point. And he, as he's walking the court, he said, see you guys in, in, in the A or see you guys in A, referring to their next game in Atlanta. And I, whether or not, I, I don't know. I, I love the competitive level of, teams like this when you have Atlanta going against Georgia that they're or Atlanta going against New York and they're just it's almost beyond winning it's just more of a hey I want to beat you just from a competitive level and they're not even all they're thinking about right now is just beating each other and that's just fun to watch it's a fun it's a fun series for sure fun series for sure I mean uh, going back to what you said and I'll let you kind of cap it here um Derek Rose starts the second half, I believe mm-hmm. he plays 38 minutes. Now, listen, he's 30, is he 33 years old, 32, 33 years old. So, you know, it's not like he's 38, 39, but this is a guy whose body has been ravaged by injury after injury, but he digs deep, scores 26 points, four rebounds, four assists, emotionally gets that team to get a win to even the series. And uh, just as a humble, humble kid, we as jazz fans saw him go off, I think on a Halloween, I can't remember. It's like Halloween night or something. He went off for 50 when he was with the Timberwolves. This kid still has it. You and I talked about it maybe in a podcast when we we're talking about the awards. Can you imagine the career this guy would have had if he would have stayed healthy? Yeah, I've said it before on the podcast, but I think he's the one athlete in the world that I wish if I could have picked one person not to get injured, it would probably be him. I just love his game. And I love um, how, how's it going, how he's going. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, everything's going well around the league. Everything's fun. I'm just reading a tweet right now from, from Ice Cube about the Clippers. He said, Kawhi was a winner. Now he wants to be a loser. So, um, and he continues and says he was a winner at Toronto, wants to be a a dipper, must want to be a loser. I don't think he's the savior for the Clippers. So, I mean, everybody can see it that the Clippers and whatever Luca's doing to them should be considered a hate crime because he's just dominating. And I think there was a joke that on Wikipedia, the the owner of the Clippers was changed to Luka Doncic just because he's just dominating right now. But it's very clear that there's something going on with the Clippers. And I hope this is a wake-up call for Kawhi because I just love the, the, the competitiveness there. But it, it should be a good series now. And maybe Luka can figure that part out. But yeah, so as we look ahead um, and, and finish this off, tomorrow night looks like there's <clears throat> two games, let's see, three games on tap. So you have the Bucks going to Miami up 2-0. You have the Suns going into LA tied 1-1. And then you have the Nuggets going over to the Trailblazers um, tied 1-1. That's a game we didn't really cover as the Nuggets bounce back. And uh, even that series... I think it's going to be hard for Portland to come back uh, with, with Denver kind of rolling in the, in, in, uh, but they did get one game in Denver and then you roll into Friday, you have Nets, Celtics, Clippers, Mavs, Knicks, Hawks. And then here's what's interesting for jazz fans. 
Jazz do not play again now until Saturday. This can, I mean, both teams get a little bit of rest here. And Sam's like the Grizzlies don't even need it because they're young. They're going to come out in front of their home crowd and want to really get the Jazz. But now Mitchell has more time to rest his ankle and, uh, and come back and play hard. He had limited, limit, limited minutes tonight, and he did kind of go to the locker room after he played for a little bit and got it taped up. But I think this will be a good couple of days where he can just kind of get ready for the next game and be ready to uh, be at full strength again. So it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it. Um, if I had to make a prediction with the – I'm going to come out and say it now it's game, after game two, but I think the Bucks sweep the Heat. Just a little controversial statement to think about. But – I don't think it's too controversial. I, I, the the Bucks haven't. I mean, the Bucks are on a mission. They've been embarrassed. Embarrassed is a strong word, but they haven't lived up their potential. And I think now that they're not number one and the hunted, and that they can be the hunter, I, I, I they're going to go get Miami. I think Miami is just. Here's here's a thought on Miami, and we could spend more minutes on it. They went out and got Victor Oladipo. They traded Kelly Olynyk away. I'll bet you right now they're wishing they had Kelly Olynyk. He's not a great player, but he was serviceable for them in the moments which they would need him for this type of series. And he's just not there anymore. And that is hurting the heat against the Bucs. So I, I agree with you. I think the Bucs will sweep that series and go grab those games in Miami. True. Well, we could go all night and I know it's getting late for you, uh, yeah. but I appreciate the, the conversation. Any, any last words, anything else? Hey, this is, this is playoff basketball. We saw a little bit of, of what we thought we would see over these last uh, games over the last two days. We've saw some blowouts, right? There were some yep. close games early in the first games, and then we saw the teams that were supposed to win somewhat win. I guess you could say that about the clear. There might be a few series, but you saw some blowouts, and, and you might see a few more in this first round. It's just how it goes. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Anyway, cool. Well, I've got – I mean, I have a lot more to say, but – we can dive more into it next time. You got it. Thanks, Miss. We'll uh, see you on Saturday night. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Have a good night. Good night.